This is a shiur on the Sicha of Mishpatim, Chelek Chaf Aleph, Book 21, Mishpatim Aleph, the first Sicha of Mishpatim. On the Apostle, Kisire Chamer Yisoy Tachas Masoy. It says, when you see the donkey of your enemy burdened under its burden, uh, um, struggling under its burden, should you refrain from helping him? You shall surely help him to unload. So says the Pasuk. The Mechilta explains it a little bit differently. Sometimes you refrain from helping, and sometimes you help. In other words, where the Pasuk says, the simple reading of the Pasuk is, shall you refrain from helping him? You shall surely help him. The Medrash also learns it, that it's not a question mark. You shall refrain from helping him, because sometimes you can refrain from helping him, and sometimes, as if tazir, sometimes you have to help him. And he brings two examples of late times when atochodil, when you can refrain from helping. First example is, so, first example is, you see, there's two scenarios about who the ownership of the donkey is and who the ownership of the load is. If it's a donkey that belongs to a Jew and the load that it's carrying belongs to a non-Jew, then you shall help him. Because the thing is that the Jew's donkey here is struggling and is in danger. And that has a monetary value, so you have to make sure to help the uh, struggling donkey. I must say at this very moment that this Mechilta is following the opinion of Rabbi Yisiyah Galili that the pain of the animal is not the issue here. There is a machlekes in the Gemara where the Tsar Balei Chaim so whether <coughs> the Torah is telling us to take care of helping to unload the donkey here because it's a there's there's anguish there's pain to the animal or is it does it have to do with the monetary predicament that the Jewish person finds himself in which with his donkey uh, about to be injured. So the halacha is that it's about tsar balechaim. It's about the pain of the donkey. That's the concept of this mitzvah. But this mechilt is following the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi Aglili, who says that the concept of pain to animals is not tsar balechaim, is not from the Torah. This is purely a monetary mitzvah. You have to help your friend. His donkey is struggling. So you have to help to make sure the donkey is not injured. The donkey is not lost. So if it's a Jewish donkey and a pa- the packages that are he's struggling under are of a non-Jew, then you have to help. <coughs> if the donkey belongs to a non-Jew and the thing he's carrying belongs to a Jew, then you can refrain from helping. You don't have to refrain from helping. You could help if you want. But you don't have the obligation of this particular mitzvah to go and help. By the way, the mitzvah is even without payment. So that is one instant when you would be able to refrain from helping if the donkey belongs to a non-Jew. So the struggle of the donkey in terms of the uh, being a possession of a non-Jew, you're not obligated to go and spend your time and effort to save the money uh, of a non-Jew in this way. The other time when you can refrain from helping is, if it was a koyen who was in, and this struggling donkey is in a cemetery, you know, a koyen is not allowed to defile himself, become in uh, tome to a, 
to, to, to uh, graves, so he shouldn't go in there. Rashi in his Pirush on the Torah also seems to bring this very drasha. So first Rashi says the simple pshat. As we said before, shall you not help him? No, you shall surely help him. And then Rashi says... Um, and Rashi gives another example how we see elsewhere psukim where it's like a question. Is it possible that you can see your friend's donkey struggling under its burden and you would refrain from helping him? You must help him. Rashi brings a, 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 a proof that this is sometimes the way the Torah speaks from another pasuk, which says, If you will say in your heart that the, the, the nations we need to um, overcome to go into the land of Israel are too numerous for me, etc., don't fear them. So in other words, the Torah sometimes asks these rhetorical questions and gives the answer itself. And then Rashi continues, Umed it's Midrashic interpretation. Kachdosh, Rabbi say, no, so our rabbis, expound, our, our rabbis expounded. It says, when you see, you refrain. Sometimes you refrain, sometimes you help. Okay, it's how is that? When do you refrain? When do you help? If it's an elderly person who's observing the struggle of the donkey and it doesn't fit his level of dignity, he doesn't have to help. Or... If it's a, the animal of a non-Jew and the load of a Jew, so then you can refrain. You don't have to worry about taking care of the non-Jew's donkey. It seems to be very similar to the Mechilta. However, we have to stand, understand there is a shinu, there is a difference in what Rashi says. Rashi doesn't bring the example of a koyan who was um, needed to, and the donkey being in a cemetery. He says, we're talking about an elderly person and it's not dignified for him to go and help. So Taka, the example of an elderly person who is beneath his dignity to go and help, that example is brought in the Sifri and in the Gemara, but not on this Pasuk. It's brought on the Pasuk. If somebody sees the ox of his brother or his sheep lost in the field, you think you should... Uh, you keep your uh, pretend you didn't see it or, or, or ignore them. No, you have to go and return it. However, from there also we learn that sometimes you do ignore. When do you ignore? If it was a koyen and he found the lost object in the cemetery or if it was an elderly person, it's not his dignity to go and return it. And actually, even if it was his own, he wouldn't do it. So then he's not obligated. But that doesn't say that about this halacha, about the donkey, the, the donkey struggling under the weight. So it's, we have some questions here. Why does Rashi miss out in our story of the struggling donkey what the Mechilta brings about the Koyan and the donkey was in the cemetery? The Mechilta brings it on our Pasuk. Why does he change that? Rashi changes that for talking about a Zokin, an elderly person who is beneath his dignity. That is an example that our sages bring, but about a lost object, not about a struggling donkey. Also, we understand, have to understand, first of all, the Mechilta, the first scenario where, Rashi, where the Mechilta brings that you could refrain from helping is if the donkey belongs to a non-Jew. Rashi brings that example where the donkey belongs to a non-Jew as a, as a second example. He brings first the elderly person as the first one. So that's one question. Why does he switch the order? Two, why does Rashi say, like in Mechilta, 
Sometimes you help. It says sometimes you don't help, sometimes you help. We understand why in the Mechilta it says that language, that sometimes you help, sometimes you don't help, because there the Mechilta brought both instances where it's a struggling donkey that belongs to a Jew, and there you help, or it's a struggling donkey that belongs to a non-Jew, where there you can refrain from helping. So since he's bringing both examples, so he says sometimes you help, sometimes you don't help, but Rashi only brings <coughs> the scenario where you can refrain, so why doesn't he just say sometimes you don't have to help? Why does he also say sometimes you do have to help, but he doesn't give the actual example? And if he's just trying to tell us, sometimes you have to help because there's an obligation, that's the whole point of the Pesach. Rashi doesn't have to say that. The Pesach says, Ozef Tazavimah, you must help. Base. The reason why Rashi doesn't bring the case of the Mechilta, if he was between, if he was, if the struggling donkey was in the cemetery, we may be able to answer it as follows. The fact that a king is not allowed to make himself tummy. <clears throat> in order to do the positive mitzvah of helping to unload the donkey. You know why that is? That's a simple thing. It's because the Tumah, the fact that a Kohen is not allowed to defile himself with Tumah, it's a negative commandment and also a positive commandment. So it's self-understood that that mitzvah sasei, the positive commandment to help the person unload the donkey, can't push off the commandment that the Kohen has with a positive and negative commandment, a double header about not making himself tummy. So Rashi doesn't even bring it, because you don't need to learn it from this Pesach that says V'chadalto, you refrain, that sometimes you refrain. As in square brackets, the Rebbe brings, like the Gemara, where it says about what you learn from the Pesach about a lost object, V'salamta, sometimes you can ignore it, that you need this Pesach to tell you only that an elderly person who is beneath his dignity can ignore the lost object and doesn't have to return it. But it doesn't come to exclude a koyan and the lost object is in a cemetery because uh, that we understand very clearly. We don't need a pusik for that. Because the, the, the koyan making himself tome has a positive and negative command. Returning a lost object is just a positive command. It's not strong enough to push off the prohibition that a koyan has to go into a cemetery in order to do that mitzvah. And the Rebbe just by the way brings also we don't need a special exclusion from the pusik to tell us that if a person has work that's more valuable than going uh, than, than the whole story of the donkey, then he doesn't stop his work and go to help his friend. He continues to do his. Interesting, because there's a halacha that we, that we learn, the Rebbe brings here in 13, we learn, the Apostle says, there shouldn't have any poor people in your midst. We have an instruction to try and do things for ourselves, not to be poor. So, a person has to take care of himself first. So if by going to unload that struggling donkey, you're going to be losing something much more valuable that you're busy with right now, then you don't do that. You have to take care, be mindful of your own things. But you don't need a posse for that. That's a simple svara. <coughs> At any rate, jumping back to what the Rebbe is saying here, um, so perhaps that's why Rashi doesn't bring the example of a koyen and the struggling donkey is in a cemetery. However, anyway, what Rashi is bringing here, these two examples, it's quite clear that he's not telling you what you're learning from the words of Chadalta and you can refrain. Because if, if what Rashi is bringing here is what we learn from those words, how is he learning two things from one exclusion? The words of Chadalta that sometimes you do refrain can just tell you one thing. But if you say that what Rashi is bringing, the two examples, that he's an elderly person, it's not his dignity, or it's the, um, the, the struggling donkey of an non-Jew, and both of those 
are excluded from the word v'chadalta, you may refrain, how can you learn two things from one word? So we have to say that, no, even though the word v'chadalta, and you can refrain, is not the source of both of these teachings, however, Rashi brings them together because in the end of the day, they're both part of, they may not both be learned from here, but they're both part of the concept that sometimes you refrain. So the question goes back, why does Rashi change or why Rashi, doesn't Rashi also bring the example of the Koyan and the struggling donkeys in the cemetery? Even though it's not learned directly from these words, but Rashi is bringing things that are not learned directly from these words. Interesting here that the Rebbe um, points out in the Horus 17, a very interesting concept. We could say, generally speaking, that you don't even need a, a Pasuk to really exclude somebody who's an elderly and it's not, a, and it's not dignified. It's not at his level of dignity. You could really say that we don't need a posse for that. You would know this from svara, from rational deduction. Why? Because if he's that level that it's beneath his dignity to occupy himself with unpacking a struggling donkey, and he wouldn't do it for his own struggling donkey, so if he wouldn't do it for his own struggling donkey, he doesn't have, he's not obligated to do it for somebody else's donkey. Aye, what about the opinion that says that there's a, pro, there's a concept of... Uh, uh, not painting animals, sar and it's a biblical concept, so maybe, how can that be pushed off by just saying it's below your dignity? But there's, the Torah wants you to worry about the sar So he said there's still a svara, there's still a rational explanation why it wouldn't apply to somebody who it's beneath his dignity, you know, an elderly, venerable person, because when we talk about sar you're not allowed to cause pain to animals, it's just causing unnecessary, futile pain. That can, be, that can be avoided. But we do know that we're allowed to cause pain to animals if there's a benefit for humans. How much more so if it's something that's beneficial to their, to their honor? In other words, we don't require him to, um, to um, sully himself in something he wouldn't do in order to protect the animal from anguish. Because the point being that we, uh, we know that we're allowed to shech we know that we... Uh, so, interesting, when you look in the Shulchan Aruch, that if it's, if it's not empty, futile, pain for animals, but there's a thing here, he, if, if, if the donkey is struggling, this is something, he's an elderly, dignified person, you want him to get involved, and he wouldn't get involved if it was his own money here. So, there's no mitzvah then. I, even if there's Sar Balichayim, it, it wouldn't apply if... If he's going to have to um, um, sully his is is uh, sully himself, so to speak. At any rate, let's go back to the question inside. I thought that was just interesting to point out from the Horus. Um Let's go back to the sicha gimel. So let's understand um, by first explaining why Rashi gives examples here at all, especially the pasuk visalamta that you can um, ignore when we're talking about a lost object in, um, and it's described in the parsha of Kitetze in Devarim, Rashi brings there, our sages say, our sages say, sometimes you ignore, etc. It doesn't give examples. And it's a big daichek, it's very forced to say that in the portion of Devarim, he doesn't say the examples because he's relying on something he said here in Shmois on a different mitzvah, on the word V'chadalta, that you can refrain. 
I mean, here it's talking about un, about uh, un, unpacking a struggling donkey. There it's talking about returning a wandering donkey or a wandering she- ox and sheep. Two, the second the second case here doesn't fit that pasuk there, talking about the 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 donkey of an non, of an Anjou. It it it. Um, it doesn't apply there because we said here if the donkey is a non-Jew but the load is a Jew, you can, you can refrain. But when we talk about giving back a lost object, if the load was belonged to a Jew, then you do have to go and involve yourself to make sure to give back that load. So it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't fit. So why doesn't he give examples there in, in the book of Devarim about talking about lost object? He doesn't. Why here does he give examples? So we have to say that since the concept of Rashi on the Torah is only to explain what is the meaning of the Pesukim, it's not about teaching halacha. Actually, there's a whole Al-Tareb Shulchanor, you can go and look up these halachas. They're very well spelled out. But Rashi is about explaining what the Pesuk means. So that's why there he just brings the part of the sages saying the Drosh of Chazal, which is relevant to explaining the Pesuk there. Saying, it says... You should not see it and ignore it. He says the word can also be learned differently. Sometimes you do ignore it. He doesn't give the examples. So according to this, since in our Parsha Rashi does give examples, that means that it must be that the examples, it's not just to teach us a halacha. It's got to be meaningful and necessary to explain the actual Pasuk. So how, why do we need it to explain the Pasuk? Dalit. So the explanation is as follows. The main difficulty in explaining the Pasuk when you see a donkey struggling under its burden, you shall refrain. So it's not just the language of the pasuk. When you say that, that it means, shall you refrain? If you learn it with a question mark, it comes out. That when it says key, when, or, or perhaps you will see your friend's donkey or your enemy's donkey, um, it, the key perhaps is not going on, perhaps you will see. The key is going, v'chodalta. Perhaps you will want to refrain. So it, there's, there's the language of the syntax is a little bit forced. Um, but that's not what Rashi is coming to, to answer. That's not the main problem. The main problem is the content of the actual pasuk. The reason, simply speaking, why the pasuk has to sell, why the pasuk has to tell us not to refrain is because here we're talking about the donkey of your enemy. So the question is, hey, we just had a mitzvah, a pasuk earlier that says, when you meet up with the ox of your enemy and it's wandering, the Torah doesn't ask that question there. And if you say, I shall refrain from returning that lost object, because it's my enemy, the Torah doesn't say that. So it's difficult, whichever way you look at it, if it's important to tell that if it's a, an enemy, you have to still keep the mitzvah that Hashem said that needs to be the interpersonal mitzvah that needs to be done between Jews. So the Torah should have pointed that out in the earlier passage which speaks about the lost object. And if it's not necessarily to be pointed out there, and it says even if, it says when you find the, the, the wandering animal of your enemy, give it back. And it doesn't have to say, if you say I shall refrain, don't refrain, give it back. And actually... We can understand why he doesn't have to say it. I mean, what's, what's the big news here? By all the other mitzvahs of the Torah, it doesn't say, tells you do this mitzvah, eat this and this. It doesn't say, if you shall say that other things looks delicious, don't... <laughs> we don't ask that question. The Torah says, do something. So 
So why over here in this pasuk does when it comes to the halacha after the wandering animal of your enemy, where it just says give it back, it doesn't say if your heart tells you not to give it back, don't listen. Here all of a sudden tells you if you see the struggling donkey, and you would think to refrain, don't refrain. Why does it? Why is that inserted here? So that's why Rashi understands from this that the ref, the, the, the thought of refraining from helping is the word of Chadalta. It's coming to teach something specifically. Not It's not generally about not listening to your Yetzirah, to your negative voice inside of you. It's only in this Pasuk. There's something unique about this Pasuk that there could be a thought that you would refrain from helping. And that's why Rashi can't just say, the Medr says, sometimes you can refrain. He has to bring the cases when you can indeed refrain. And in this second case, the second thing he brings where it's an animal, the donkey of a non-Jew, and it's the load that it's carrying, it belongs to a Jew, can only be in our Pasuk. In the previous Pasuk, by returning a lost object, uh, that not, that's not applicable. So that's why it says, if you think you shall refrain, he brings it here. Sometimes you refrain, because this case is only applicable here with a donkey with a split scenario, where the donkey is, belongs to a non-Jew, the load belongs to a Jew. So then why does Rashi also bring the second case of if you also refrain from giving it back, you're allowed to refrain if it's an elderly person, it's not his dignity. So basically something's going on here where it's this Pasuk that says the question, would you refrain? Rashi's trying to explain why is it only in this scenario, in this Pasuk. So to explain that, Rashi first explains the Medrash, the cases that you do refrain. And somehow when he spells out the cases that you do refrain, that's going to help us understand why we may think, why the Torah had to tell us, you think you want to refrain? Don't refrain in the times you have to give it back. To come. Let's see what they're saying. Hey, the beer is like this. By bringing the Medrash, Rashi is not trying to tell us a second pirush in the second interpretation of the Pasuk. It's continuing the first pirush. In, in other words, this Medrash is going to flesh out and explain this question we have in Pshat, why does in this mitzvah the Torah ask the question, you think you would want to refrain? Help. And now, according to that, we'll also understand, by the way, says Rashi in the square, the Rebbe says in the square brackets, why the language here, when he brings the Medrash, is an unusual language, it's a longer language. It says, the Medrash, kach dosh Rabbi Sedim, so our sages expounded. It doesn't say like he would usually say, medrash, the Medrash says. But because by this, Rashi is emphasizing that the pirush of the Medrash, in and of itself, is distant from the actual pshat, simple reading, simple meaning of the pasuk. It's not a, a medrash that's close to pshat. It's a, it remains a drash, but we need this drash. I'm bringing this drash, says, says Rashi, in order to be able to bring a completion to, 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 under, to understand the pshat that I told you. In other words, that the v'chadalta, asking the question, would you refrain? The Pasuk is also telling us, yes, sometimes you do refrain. And that's why it's asking the question and proposing that perhaps you would think to refrain. In other words, by bringing the Medrash that sometimes you do refrain, we now understand, we'll now have an answer why only over here the Torah brought the question in the way we learn Apipshat, will you refrain from helping him? What are we saying now that I was going to explain? Since by virtue of the fact that sometimes indeed the person may refrain from helping, 
This teaches us that one second, this mitzvah is not so ironclad. A person may make a mistake and think, or he may, it's called meira heter, he may talk himself into the fact that it's permissible based on, on a logic. He's going to say, well, it's not such a hard and it's not such an ironclad mitzvah. You know, because sometimes you don't do it. So that's why the Pesach asks the question, you, would you refrain from doing it? No, you have to do it. We're still going to explain this a little more. So in order to understand why are we worried in this instance, in this mitzvah of unloading the struggling donkey, why are we worried that sometimes, um, why are we worried that from the fact that there are some exceptions to the rule of helping, that this would lead us to perhaps um, refraining from helping, even when we're meant to help. So Rashi brings, because I want to tell you the, 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 the examples when you refrain from helping. And you'll see that they're not such earth-shattering examples. And therefore you may think, well, it's not such an important mitzvah. Even if I don't feel like it, maybe I don't have to do it. So let's look at it in depth here. Aleph. First example Rashi brings is if he's a dignified person that's not according to his dignity. He's an elderly person, it's not his dignity. In other words, even, bef- even for the purpose of kvoid ha'odam, of the dignity of a person, how much more so if the person is not strong enough, we push off this mitzvah. Number two, if it's an animal of an Jew and the load of a Jew, it's also pushed off. In other words, you see, we're not worried about the anguish of the animal. And that's why Rashi says, Sometimes, remember we asked why Rashi brings both sides of the coin. Sometimes you refrain, sometimes you help. It's not that Rashi's trying to tell us. In most cases you have to help, and sometimes you don't have to help. No. He's saying that the whole mitzvah is quite boutique. It's sometimes you refrain, sometimes you help. The refraining and helping is is two, so to speak, equal concepts. And therefore we understand that a person may come easily to talk himself into the fact that it's not such an important mitzvah. So that's why, because the Torah has implanted exceptions that are not such earth-shattering exceptions, so in order to circumvent what a person may be thinking, oh, so I'm not going to do it, he says, the Torah asks, if you see it and you think, oh, I'll refrain, no, 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 go help. So Kurdish will understand where Rashi brings first the case of an elderly person, it's not his dignity, before speaking about the animal of a donkey, uh, the, the, the animal belongs to a non-Jew, because the main thing that would cause a person to treat this mitzvah more lightly and callously is because we see that even if somebody's just elderly and it's beneath his dignity, we tell him he doesn't have to do it which is not the case of, a, of a, uh, an animal belonging to a non-Jew, is a little bit of a, of a secondary reason for why the mitzvah wouldn't be so stringent in his eyes. Because what you see here is that um, you're saying the whole, I think, I think, shot is because if the thing is to protect the money of your fellow Jew, the donkey, uh, donkey has a possession, the whole chiv, the whole chiv doesn't start here. It's not a, another Jew. Anyway, I'm not sure, but at least clearly we see that the most, the, the strongest 
element of Rashi here to show why this mitzvah may invite somebody to treat it with less importance is because even for dignity, it's pushed aside. We also understand now it becomes answered simply why Rashi um, doesn't bring the case of a koyen and the load of the donkey is in a cemetery because we wouldn't be able to learn from that any kind of um, lightness in this mitzvah, kula in this mitzvah whatsoever, because first of all, it's a very uh, unusual, it doesn't happen quite very often that the behema, the animal with its load, should be in a cemetery. And number two, and this is the main thing, there it's not about the lightness of the, of the, of the, of the mitzvah of unpacking this donkey. It's got to do with the stringency that we place about a koyen not becoming tummy. So it wouldn't be proving that point. That's what Rashi doesn't bring. Rashi brings the zaken, and it's not his dignity. Zayin. From this, we also get an additional explanation why it says, v'chadalta, you would think to refrain, in our case, in our pasuk, and not in the previous pasuk about returning a lost object. Even though, by returning a lost object, same thing, sometimes you ignore because by res- but it doesn't ask the question, would you think to ignore always? No, because by a lost object, it doesn't make sense to say it. Just because there are some cases when you are allowed to ignore, that a person would derive from that some kind of a permissibility in all cases. Because generally speaking, returning a lost object is not a big, such a big bother. So a person wouldn't treat it that, wouldn't treat it lightly. Especially the Pasuk here is talking if you meet the ox or the donkey wandering. Now, when you have an ox or donkey, all you have to do is lead it. You don't have to schlep it. You have to pick it up. And even in Sefer Dvarim, where it's talking about uh, an article of clothing or all kinds of lost objects that belong to your brother, it's usually not, it doesn't involve such a huge chirch, like unloading a donkey. It's always going to be a big... It's a donkey which can carry, I don't know how much weight, and it's struggling. So you understand how much weight is there? So because a zokin is somebody's elderly and it's not his dignity, Maybe strong enough to do it. It's not a thing that we tell him you don't have to do it. So a person may talk himself in because it's such a hard job. He may find himself rationalizing why it's not such an important mitzvah. It doesn't help. So that's what he says. You think you shouldn't help? No, no, no. You got to go help. Okay. So we've, exp- we've wrapped up all the items here. I'm shocked. Now goes the Rebbe Ches. In this Rashi, there are also hinted niflois of Teira. The wondrous aspects of Teira. According to the Pirish of the Baal Shem Tev on this Pasuk, that Chamer hints at the Guf Chaymer Shalcha. The person looks at his materialistic aspects and says, that the way the Baal Shem Tev learns the Pasuk of this, when you look at your Chaymer, your materialism, you'll see that really it's your enemy, it's fighting your spirituality. You would think, perhaps I shouldn't help it. In other words, I should try and break it, my body, my materialism, through fasting and self-mortification. No. You have to work with the body. You have to try and refine the body. Don't fight against the body. So we could say that that's why Rashi brings these two examples. Sometimes you do refrain. In other words, sometimes you do afflict your body. If it's a zakin, if it's somebody elderly and it's not his according to his level of dignity, or the second case, the behemoth, the animal of a non-Jew, and the load of a Jew. 
because these two cases hint at two kinds of situations which are brought in the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch when you're allowed to fast. First is fasting for Teshuvah. The Alter Rebbe brings in Shulchan Aruch, Hilchasar, um, Guf, that um, you're allowed to, you're not allowed, your body's given to you from Hashem on deposit. Therefore, it's not yours to mistreat. Even fasting or doing anything else to pain your body shouldn't, unless you're fasting for Teshuvah, for returning to Hashem, or based on Hashem, there are fasts in order to cleanse your soul to Hashem. So we can say that these two things are really corresponding to the two things that the Alter writes about, the end of the first parak and the beginning of the second parak. The fasts of Teshuvah, that's when we're talking about actual returning, making up for a sin that a person has done, or at least to make a wholesome Teshuvah, then a person would want to fast. And that's what Rashi is saying in the case of the behema belongs to a non-Jew, but the load is a Jew's, because when a Yid sins chas v'shalom, his body and his animal soul becomes separated from Kedusha. And for the meantime, it becomes under the ownership, under the directorship of the clip of the negativity. In other words, it becomes like an animal of a non-Jew. However, even people that are sinful are full of mitzvahs, like a pomegranate, so therefore the masa, the, the load that it's carrying, even if it's a non-Jewish animal, but the load of mitzvahs it's carrying, that load is a Jewish load. Especially that by the neshama, the yid, we say that even when it's sinning, it's still um, faithfully with Hashem. It still remains complete, which is not the case by fasts of cleansing oneself for Hashem. So then after that, when a person has done proper teshuvah, when does a person, the fast, the second kind of fast we're talking about, are to cleanse the soul to Hashem, they come after a person has done Teshuvah. Or, the Rebbe in square brackets, or the person actually never needed to do Teshuvah, he never actually sinned, but he wants to refine his soul to Hashem because he wants his soul to be accepted and be in a better state of, 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 uh, of preparation to be with Hashem. So he fasts, or there can be another extreme, and that is, sometimes somebody can be so involved in, in spiritual and um, refined things, and that's why he hasn't really occupied himself with refining his body. He's very busy with holy things. So sometimes the body can remain a little bit left behind, and it still has its coarseness, and that can create a certain gasos, a certain coarseness, or at least it, it creates a, an unwholesomeness an incompletion in terms of the um, edelkeit of the soul. That's why you need to have fasts that they should create a miruk, they should uh, cleanse and refine the body and the soul. So that's another kind of fast. And that Rashi hints at with the, with the, with the case, that you're allowed to refrain from not helping the donkey. In other words, in this case, you're allowed to not help your body, you're allowed to fast, if you're like an elderly person, it's not your dignity. In other words, these are referring to fasts that are, a person is a zokin, zokin means somebody who's acquired knowledge. And that's why by him, the being involved in refining his body, it's it's not for his level, it's not for his dignity. It's a descent from his spiritual perch and therefore his fasting is going to fix the fact that he didn't descend to deal with it, and he's going to be fasting in order to make up for what he didn't 
occupy himself in refining the body. So in other words, again, the way the Baal Shem Tov reads the Pasuk, you think that you want to fight the body, help the body. But the Medrash says sometimes you can refrain, which means to put it into the Baal Shem Tov's uh, teaching, means sometimes you can pain the body. And these are the two examples. When it's for Teshuvah, it's to refine your soul. And now we'll understand the Pneumius, why Rashi can't bring the example of a Koyan who's in a cemetery, and, and the, the donkey's in a cemetery, because that would, the parallel of that in Ruchnius would be, just like when we said, the donkey is a non-Jews and the load is a Jews, it would mean that the animal is in the, in the cemetery. That would mean that through sins, the, the, the body and the animal soul goes to a, a mokim hamisav atumah, goes to the place of death and impurity, However, the neshama v'yid is called a baskoyin, it's the level of a koyin. It's higher and outside the cemetery, the place of death and impurity, because it's always together with Hashem. But Rashi doesn't bring that as a marshal. Why? Because in Ruchnis, there isn't the real reality of being in a, in a, in a cemetery. Even the Jewish body, when it did a, a sin, still, it's a metzios nitzchis, it's an eternal reality, and there can't be a total cessation or death. It's called, we say, every year has a portion in the world to come. Everyone's coming back to life. They're called, the, the deeds of my hand, which I uh, am glorified by, says Hashem. And Hashem has bechira. Hashem chooses even the body of a Jew. So it, that is impossible to be totally lost. So it can't really be in a cemetery. It could be that it's being owned by a non-Jew. But that's only an, a change in ownership. Sometimes, like we said, the, 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 the donkey, referring here to the animal soul and the body of a Jew, who didn't have air, could be in the ownership of Goyishkeit, so to speak. But that's not a, a change in the, in the essence of the body, which would, have been, uh, which would have been indicated by being in a, in a cemetery. So he doesn't bring the example of being in a cemetery. It is never even... Uh, an, uh, the analogy doesn't fit. It's too far gone. The Yid's body is never too far gone, as if it's in a place of death or something. Okay, so, we know there's a fascinating halacha, even a yid, that the Torah says that he did sell himself to a non-Jew. But still in all, we say, he's still my servant. Hashem says he's still my servant also. In other words, he can never really be transitioned to a place of un-Jewishness, unholiness. So to use the analogy of a cemetery wouldn't have been right. This is also tests. This is also the explanation of Pipnimi Sanyanim in the two things that Rashi is saying in this passage. In the Pashat Pshat, we're saying, if you see the struggle against the body, can you not help him? You think you don't want to help him? No, you have to help your body. That's talking about a year that's gone on the right path. It says, Hashem made the people to go on the right path. And he was always serving the Abish according to the way the says. So the Pastor says, You think you want to not help your body? No. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to fast. You're not allowed to have mortification, self mortification, which breaks the body. You have to deal with your body. You have to help your body. You have to refine your body and use your body. Like the Bashanta said. Then we have Midrasha. That's a simple meaning of the Pshat, of the, of the Pasuk. That's the, and the Bashanta put it into Ruchnias. When you see your body struggling and you see it's against you, it's your enemy, and it's fighting your spirituality, still and all. You think you're going to refrain from working with it and break it? No. You've got to work with it. Don't break it. Then there's a medrash says, yes, sometimes you do. Medrash is talking to people that have 
not gone the straight path. Medrash is a little bit of a, of a, of a you know, some squiggles and turns. People that sin, or at least they didn't go in the straight path, and therefore, now the Medrash is saying, sometimes you refrain. However, so in other words, and there we would be saying that there would be, like in Shulchan Aruch it says, sometimes you do break your body. If you're doing tshuva, if you're trying to refine your soul. However, even though there is permission granted in Shulchan Aruch to fast, not the Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, nonetheless says the Rebbe, in Tanya it says, in Yigaris HaTshuva, a very clear, a very clear instruction, that in our generations, there's a generational change. You're not allowed to have a large amount of fasts, even fasts of tshuva, but you have to redeem those fasts by giving tzedakah. And since the weakness of the generation is not because of the person's own choice. We didn't choose to have, be in a different generation. Hashem created our generation more weak. So it's clear that Hashem is giving us the opportunity through an Aveda that doesn't require fasting, through the Aveda of the Baal Shem Tov, of working with the body, and there's nothing missing. In other words, uh, you would say, well, I can't live up to the way they used to live before the Alter Rebbe said that in our generation we should be fasting. I want to do those fasts that they used to do. Well, hello. You want to serve Hashem? Hashem made our generations weaker. And the Alter Rebbe said, no more fasting. So for sure, Hashem gives us the opportunity to do what we have to do. In our day, more than that, the Rebbe says in the Aura. Think about it. In the Shulchan Aruch, it says that in order to do tshuva, you're allowed to fast. It says the Rebbe, if the Baal Shem Tov taught us that now the times change and you can do that to Shuva without fasting. So now, one second. There's a way to do the Shuva without fasting. Why are you going to fast? The whole heter in Shulchan Aruch to fast is because you want to do Shuva. You want to cleanse your soul. If the Baal Shem Tov is telling you that now there's a... Um, the Al-Tareb is telling you that now in our generations we're able to do Shuva in another way. Right? Um, in other words, and the Rebbe learns in the order that Baal Shem was telling us there's a, new, there's a change. Now you can do tshuva in a joyous way without the, the fasting. If so, there's no heter to fast. The Shulchan Aruch speaks if there's no other choice, then even though usually you have to take good care of your body, but for tshuva, taking good spiritual care of your body, you're allowed to fast. But there's another way to do it. To use an analogy, it's almost like saying now they have a, a kind of surgery, lapros, lap, 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 whatever it's called. They make a little pinhole, pinhole surgery. And they put the, the instruments in and they, rather than cutting a big incision, do you imagine if somebody is able to do a pinhole surgery and the doctors for some reason decide to do a, an incision for no, re, for no need? You're not allowed to do that. You can do teshuva. The Baal Shem Tov said, today we can do teshuva in this way without fasting. So he's going to go fast. The heter to fast is because that's the only way you can do tshuva. Baal Shem Tov said there's a generational change. Continues the Rebbe, the last paragraph here, our generation, we've been given the kayak to be able to fix the negative things in a way that's not connected with tsar, with pain, and with worry. Dafka with joy and tuv levav and goodness of heart. Tzlach Rabbe, Shenich Nasada, Marvin B'Simcha is coming up very soon.